throughout the last few months, we've been talking to lots of parents who have gone through parental abduction and alienation, especially in Japan. So I thought that it would be awesome to bring some researchers and psychologists to work with families to chime in on their thoughts when it comes to Japan. In line with that, we have Takashi Amano in this podcast today. He is a professor of sociology in the University of Kitakushu, Japan, and I published many peer-reviewed papers on Japanese marriages, divorces, and so much more. In this episode, we talk to him about shared custody, parental abduction, Japanese government, and so much more. And of course, I'm joined by Enrique, the co-founder of Find My Parents today as well. Now, before we get to the episode, I would like to inform all our listeners that Glenwood, someone we have had in this podcast before, is retrying his paternity harassment or Patahara case in the Tokyo High Court this September. Recently, I had another chance to talk to him about the harassment that he had gone through while he was at uh, Mitsubishi Morgan Stanley. And here's a quick soundbite from that particular conversation. Well, I, I believe that the family unit is, is a very important structure for, for society for for families, um, for companies, and for humanity overall. And there's all different types of families, right? You know, you might have a family with two dads, you might have a family with two moms, you might have a, a single dad or a single mom, and you might have a mom and a dad, you might have children living with their grandparents. There's all different types of, of families. There's also adoption, um, which which is uh, a, a, a great way to build a family that's available in the world today. So when we think about sustainability and creating a structure in society where families can, can, can grow and thrive and where individuals can have family and continue their career, it, it, requires, um, it requires some flexibility, but it also requires prioritizing the family unit. And I believe as a society and as a corporation, if we don't prioritize the family unit, that actually um, we're not operating in a sustainable fashion. In other words, young people um, have a right to have a family and continue their careers. And that doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, doesn't matter if you're gay or straight, that, th th those issues, uh, the, 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 unit, the family unit goes way beyond that. This is a structure that we create as as a group of people to to create to um to give birth to the next generation literally and if we don't create the next generation then then basically we're we're saying that we're declining as humanity we're declining as a society and and i i just don't believe that 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 humanity is headed in that direction i i believe that the family unit is essential needs to be protected and without a solid family unit uh, we don't have a sustainable infrastructure and you don't have a sustainable corporation. And so as a manager, as someone who was responsible for people, um, I, I, when, I, when I saw very unsustainable behaviors, I felt it was essential to say something and to stand up and, 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 and make the point that parents have rights 
we have rights as humans to have a family and continue our career. And, and those, those rights go beyond um, any sort of presuppositions. Of, you know, for example, some might say, well, Japanese men are married to their company. They're not married to their wife. So you need to, you need to spend time first and foremost and dedicate all your energy to the company and let your wife take care of the family. Well, um, you know, that might have been uh, a, a cultural trait that, that worked very well, f- you know, 100 years ago. Um, personally, I, I believe that both parents are essential to the family structure um, and, and, and that that type of discrimination and division of roles between the men and, and the woman um, are, is no longer sustainable in our world today. You can't, you can't deny women a career just because they choose to get married and just because they choose to have a family. And likewise, you can't fire a woman when she gets pregnant. And likewise, you can't fire a man if he decides to take some time off for family. If there's a family emergency and, and, and the man decides to take time off to spend with his family, that, that is a human right. And that's part of that's part of sustainability. That's part of what we talk about when we talk about the SDGs. That's what I believe. So that was Glenwood explaining the kind of harassment that he went through at Mitsubishi Morgan Stanley. If you would like to support him, you can go to findmyparent.org slash Glenwood for more details on his case. It will be awesome if you're in Japan and you can attend his court case. It is happening on the September 10th from 2 p.m. at courtroom number 822, Tokyo High Court. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode with Takashi Amano. Yep. Okay. Hi. Uh, it's my real pleasure uh, to join such great opportunity. My name is Takeshi Amano, uh, associate, so, associate professor of sociology of the University of Kitakyushu in Japan. Uh, I was trained as sociologist of the family. And so before, when I was graduate student, I started my research career as a scholar doing research about Japanese women's international marriage, cross-border marriage, and marriage migration to Australia. And in the research, in the fieldwork, so I heard many kind of very sad uh, cases of separation and divorce, uh, those of which uh, sometimes uh, resulted in international parental child abduction. Because when I did my research in Australia, Japan didn't ratify the Hague Child Abduction Convention yet. And after that, after completing my PhD, uh, I went back to Japan and started my research about international divorces, divorces uh, among cross-border married couple and uh, international parental child abduction. But it's so complicated issue, not just a matter of kind of uh, family disputes or kind of very private matters, uh, it involves a lot, lots of very kind of in- institutional insufficient uh, problems, uh, not only in Japan, but also at the uh, international level. Uh, since then, I've been working with how Japanese ideas of uh, shared parenting or joint parenting after divorce uh, is influenced by such kind of international communications uh, or kind of international incidents of kind of cross-border marriage and, and the parental child abduction. 
uh, across national borders. Yeah. Thank you, Takeshi, for the quick summary on your research and qualification. You mentioned that the Hague Convention is really complicated to execute in Japan. Can you explain why do you say so? Yeah, because the uh, the first and the most complicated uh, 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 process was how the Japanese uh, uh, learned uh, parental child abduction uh, is criminal. Before uh, 2014, uh, until Japan, the government signed up the Hague Convention. There was no kind of consensus in Japanese society that parental abduction is a crime. Uh, even today, some people still believe taking children and away from the home where they live is for the sake of children to protect their child or children from kind of possible uh, physical or psychological abuse or violence uh, from the other part of the person. Yeah, that's why what we had to do first uh, before the Hague Convention, Hague Child Convention was, we have to run why a parental abduction uh, is bad for child. All right, let's get into it then. Why do you think parental abduction is bad for the child? according to your own opinion and research so far? Okay, my opinion comes from very kind of typical Japanese parental culture because in Japan for a long time, only mother uh, is exclusively responsible for taking care of a child. So uh, uh, in contrast to the mother, father uh, was considered to be a kind of very kind of perfect, great, should be a perfect breadwinner. Uh, his role was to go work and make money for their family. That's why, so when father and mother wanted to separate, uh, it was very standard and natural way for them. Uh, mother takes their children uh, and go out of the home. Yeah, that's why they never thought it was abduction. Even leftover parents uh, seldom concerned it was kind of greener, it was offended to the child. They simply gave up. Yeah. If you take that historical approach where the mom stays at home and takes care of the kids while dad goes out and makes money, that makes sense. Even I was uh, brought up in a structure like that. I mean, it's nothing new about it as I'm sure most cultures and countries had similar structure. However, if you take this and ask ourselves, what happens when the parents get divorced? We will quickly see that without the father, in this case, especially if it's an abduction, the kids and the mom will be left with no money to raise the kids. Do you have any opinions on that? Because I do know there's a huge uh, poverty rate or very high poverty rate when it comes to single mothers in Japan. Yeah, actually, you are totally right because there uh, are uh, so much large number of children uh, living in a separated family or living with a single parent uh, is suffering from poverty or lack of uh, more kind of better uh, social opportunities. Not only just matter of money, uh, because of very kind of hectic daily duties for solo parents, uh, they rarely have enough communication between the child and uh, parent, which was bad for uh, children's psychological development as well. But uh, it's been long neglected in Japan until recently because uh, everyone gave up, everyone, many actually, 
many kind of single parent families simply gave up uh, such kind of very bad social circumstances because it was a kind of cost of divorce or cost of separation. But today, so people's mind about such kind of things are changing. More people are began to argue we have to change such circumstances, not individually, but socially by implementing more better functional social kind of uh, social public scheme and social welfare program and social policy uh, to sustain and support children uh, living with a single parent or a separated family. Yep. You also mentioned that a lot of people are now starting to have a paradigm shift or mindset change when it comes to co-parenting. What do you think is influencing them to have these uh, mindset change? Yeah, uh, that's, that's quite a question. And this is what I'm exploring uh, in my current research. It's not only such kind of change of mindset, uh, the change of perception was not occurred in the domestic society only. So I believe uh, this kind of new ideas about the family and the children and the best of uh, best interest of the child uh, are uh, derived from a more kind of kind of global uh, communities because now we are so much connected globally uh, through the internet like this and we can see and we can check and we can know so much information. Uh, they are all easily available through the internet or TV and the many other types of new media. That's why even individual parents are able to learn uh, and find uh, there, there must be something different in the, uh, other countries. And they began to question why in Japan uh, they are placed in such very predicament situation and how uh, we are able to change it. Yep. So the Hague Child Abduction Convention and its ratification are, are clearly one of such examples because ratification, uh, signing, signing up the Hague Child Convention was very controversial topic in public in Japan. That's why through such kind of uh, kind of argument and discussion and information about this international convention about the best interest of a child uh, from a very unique and a different perspective, uh, which was never generated in Japan. And uh, they began to reconsider what is the best for a child? Yeah, that's my kind of argument and uh, through that research, yeah. I'm really happy that they are starting to see that co-parenting solves a lot of problems that they're having. You also mentioned just now that they also need procedures and policies to make sure that these change can be applied widely within Japan. What kind of policies and procedures Japan government need to implement based on your own experience yep. and research? Okay. Uh, actually, so it's the most problematic things is that there is a growing gap between uh, changing individuals, uh, changing Japanese people, and still very unchanged institutional policy support, like a family law and some kind of benefit scheme or something like that. That's why, so uh, changing such kind of social institutional structure is a very exclusive to deal with that issue. And the most important thing is how any types of specialists specialists, not just kind of legal specialists or policy makers are able to join uh, to work with family issues altogether. Because now family issue today is so complicated. That's why uh, like Western societies, 
we need more different types of specialists and their collaborations. Uh, we need a family psychologist. We need a therapist. Uh, we need accountants. Uh, we need social workers. We need so much types of different specialists to support the family. In Japan, people still believe the family problem should be dealt by the family own or by themselves. But even for the family, handling with their own problem is getting more and more complicated and difficult. That's why so I believe we need more uh, specialists uh, and their engagement and the commitment uh, to uh, work uh, working to work with family issues, especially shared parenting uh, after separation. But so at the policy level, uh, I never see such kind of new kind of challenge to get more specialists involved in that scheme or uh, policy uh, uh, or for the sake of the family today. Uh, that's, that's still a problem in Japan. Yep. So what you're saying is that in order to make sure that these changes do happen, we need more specialized experts within the Japanese government who can advise the policymaker on why it makes more sense for the well-being of Japanese families. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and we need more kind of specialists uh, to work uh, with the family issues. Because in Japan, even though you study a very kind of social science, uh, it's very difficult to find a job as a specialist, as a psychologist, or kind of any kind of uh, social workers outside of national scheme. Yeah, but so for example, when I did my research in Australia, so I visited one kind of uh, center, national center called uh, Family Relations Center. In Family Relations Center, so when I talked with uh, the kind of uh, manager of the center, uh, she uh, introduced me many types of specialists uh, working uh, with her, uh, not just lawyer, but also accountant or kind of a caseworker and a psychologist. So many different types of specialists jointly support different many varieties of different types of family issues. Yeah, that's what I, I argue here, here. Yeah. I also recently read news that said that the Japanese Ministry of Justice is also looking into joint custody at this moment and might implement it in the near future. What is your opinion on that? Okay, right. Actually, the most major reason is uh, in Japanese family law, uh, solo custody is still exclusive after divorce. Either father or mother is only uh, able to be given child custody after divorce, and which uh, has been thought uh, of the most serious problem after divorce because solo custody uh, makes ex uh, couples or ex father and mother are kind of unable to work with shared parenting after divorce. And even solo custody sometimes breaks up the tie of the child with other another parents in separation. And that's why Ministry of Justice finally began to thinking about a possible law reform of family law uh, from solo custody to other possible uh, custody uh, uh, decisions. Yep. You also mentioned that topics such as joint custody or co-parenting is considered controversial when it comes to Japan. For me, that is absurd because it is the norm 
to share custody if you end up divorcing your spouse from where I'm from. So I'm wondering, what is causing this topic to be such a big controversy when it comes to Japan and our people? Yeah, yeah. actually, so uh, not all of the Japanese agreed with joint custody at this stage. And Ministry of Justice, even Ministry of Justice, is very careful about uh, if they choose joint custody or other alternative choice. Uh, this is because there is a very kind of remaining but pretty serious issue about the welfare of the family in Japan. Uh, this is a kind of problem of family violence because uh, at this late, uh, any policy and legal scheme to prevent, uh, to control, or to prohibit family violence uh, uh, is still very weak and unreliable. That's why, especially for those who are seriously thinking about uh, that kind of protection of Vulnerable, vulnerable child and women, they strongly oppose to joint custody after divorce. Uh, they even argue it simply uh, maximizes the risk of future family violence under the current circumstances. That's why, so it's kind of my research finding uh, is simply we need to develop some kind of the protection and the prevention scheme of family, possible family violence. Uh, when we think about possible and the best uh, method of shared parenting or joint custody after divorce, we shouldn't uh, ignore that point. Yeah. You brought up something that I wanted to talk to you about. Lots of people who are against shared parenting in Japan normally use uh, domestic violence as a reason why they're saying that. I think there's a huge misunderstanding here. A shared parenting does not mean that you will be living with your ex-partner or anything like that. It just means that you don't separate your kids from their dad or mom. Now, with that said, I also think there's a huge problem when it comes to how Japanese people think about domestic violence. I've heard random things being classified domestic violence when it comes to Japan. Uh, there was a dad who told me that uh, he bought extra tofu for his wife and that was uh, classified as domestic violence because uh, he was not following what she's saying and also he's trying to make a fat or something like that. So do you have any opinions uh, on all these matters, especially when it comes to domestic violence? Yeah, yeah but that, that's quite a good question. Because actually, statistically speaking, so not so many uh, women ended up uh, divorce uh, because of kind of physical abuse or mental abuse of family violence. But uh, the most radical problem is in Japan, people hardly know what the family violence is, what the abuse is. Their definition of the family abuse of violence is very vague. That's why people just believe um, if it looks like violence, must be violence uh, by their own decision. There is no kind of uh, very kind of clear uh, kind of definition of the violence uh, in a more kind of policy scheme. Of course, the legal idea says what the violence is, what the family violence is, but other kind of conventional level, people's everyday level, people hardly uh, unable to, uh, able to uh, define what the violence is. That's why, so violence, uh, there are many so much kind of nuanced violence today not just very kind of physical violence, but including neglect or shouting or something. Those kind of types uh, uh, 
abuse should be thought as a violence. But I think most Japanese people are still so much confused what the violence is, what the family violence is, if uh, uh, they were the victim of the violence or not. That's why uh, to uh, it's kind of family violence would be easily uh, to make a crime without any kind of clear definition or evidences. So even official institution like uh, the police or kind of local communities are hardly to able with handle uh, the family violence or kind of such kind of uh, violence in in the private uh, sphere uh, uh, without with confidence. That's why. So when police was reported, uh, uh, I got violence. The police easily for what police can do is just to record uh, uh, the virus happened instead of uh, uh, examining a case. Yeah, something like that. That's why. So so in Japanese society, people still uh, have to know what the violence. And what kind of kind of what the, uh, kind of family violence uh, and how we are able to prevent and how we are able to record and how we are able to stop it. Yeah. In your opinion, how will you define domestic violence where one partner can end up with the sole custody, especially when it comes to Japan? Based on your experience, how will you define it? Yeah. Actually, so yes, my definition of violence is very broad. It's not not just kind of physical kind of physical violence, but also it should involve some kind of uh, shouting and scoring or being neglected. But uh, there must be some kind of clear evidence uh, by kind of professionals uh, like a medical staff or the police. Yeah, that that's what uh, I think about the definition of violence. So the definition of or violence itself is very broad to me, but always should be uh, assessed uh, or uh, assessed and examined by someone else. Yeah, not just by kind of subjective sense. Yeah, right. And if we agree that uh, the definition of uh, of violence is very broad, I understand that. Mm. And the police have no choice because uh, when somebody turns up to the police station. And then they say that, hey, yeah. I'm under this uh, kind of violent uh, scenario at home. The police have no tools, yeah. no way to actually check it. They just can make a record, correct? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Isn't that uh, creating yeah. a way for people to just claim yeah. violence uh, on everything because there's no way to verify it? Like, I can go to the mm-hmm. court and say, like, hey, Takashi Amano uh, abused me with words today during this podcast. And they can just take it yeah. down and make it into a record, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering mm-hmm. what kind of things, tools that as a researcher yourself, the police or yeah. like the law needs to really access it. Like, let's just find the solution mm-hmm. here. What do you think is the yeah. answer for that? Yeah, yeah, that's why. So they need other specialist aid. Yeah, the police and the law, uh, legal specialists are able to judge the case. But how they are able to kind of, uh, uh, kind of, uh, it's a kind of examine, uh, kind of uh, decide. Uh, which was the family violence or not. So uh, in doing so, I think, so they need more other types of specialists or kind of the uh, the victim, the possible victim uh, of family violence uh, uh, would talk to other kind of specialists like a psychologist or therapist and the counselors or case workers uh, about uh, his or her experience. And those kinds of specialists uh, uh, maybe it would report uh, and give some kind of comments uh, about uh, his hard experience 
to kind of justify uh, the actual violence or not to the police and uh, legal specialists. There is also a speculation out there that the domestic violence victim centers are overstating the numbers and also helping in the false domestic violence claims to make more money from the government funding. I mean, the maths behind this or the logic behind this is easy. More people in the center, more money paid out to you. But what do you think about that speculation? Is there any truth to it or this is just a speculation as I said? Yeah, I, I disagree with uh, that, that opinion because so they're always desperate uh, to, uh, to run the shelter. They are always suffering from the shortage of enough budget or anything like that and any support. But uh, the shelter and those who work with the shelter uh, are responsible for uh, supporting all of kind of victims of the family violence uh, according to their crimes. Otherwise, there was uh, there is no evidence or there is no record to prove uh, their experience. Yeah, there is no record or no proof from the police or other third parties. That's why. So if someone escaped to the family shelter and they ask for kind of refuge, refugee or they ask for asylum, and they ask for a short stay in the shelter, what they can do is just hear and support them. Right. Yeah. So you are trying to say that, uh, as you mentioned just now, the real problem yeah. is that the lack of experts yeah. within uh, the policymakers and lawmakers office that's causing all this yeah. because there's no way for them to verify it in the same way that uh, yeah. police cannot verify it. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So that's what it's easy to uh, imagine. So if you are a foreigner or if you are male and you got some problem in your family, uh, who are able to help you in your own language or who are able to consider your gender, I mean, male identity or something like that? Actually, no one can do it in Japan. So that's why, so not only just matter of specialist and and the variety of specialist is necessary. Someone should work for men and someone should work, uh, others should work for non-Japanese. Yeah, this is uh, what I argue about the necessary of specialist uh, about family issues in Japan. Yeah. Now, uh, our family is so diverse, not only just kind of family violence, it's not just a matter of female, as some males are the victim of family violence. And there are many cross-border couples and Japanese couples in Japan. Yeah, that's why. So we need more specialists. Yeah, this is my argument. Yeah. And, and if I may ask a question here, um, what is your take in terms of uh, domestic violence is usually one of these, uh, uh, there's two questions to this. Um, some of the arguments that I've heard from politicians in Japan is that one joint custody does not work as we've seen in the United States because um, in situations where a parent is vengeful when he or she has um, custody of the child, he or she will uh, harm physically or or end the life of the child um and, and that's why that other parent is in danger and this is why joint custody does not work and this is why uh single custody does work but then on the other hand you see several times uh, you know i've been told by japanese colleagues that i have in japan who every day they send me articles showing like a single mom with her child and the boyfriend 
molested, raped, killed uh, the child, the prior relationship. And every day is going on in Japan. So that's th- th- I see that. And yet this is also something that it looks like politicians turn a blind eye. And the other side of it is for, regarding domestic violence, for, you know, even keeping in domestic violence, do you think, let's hypothetically say that there is domestic violence from both sides, the mom and the dad, because the situation is very out of control. Do you believe that, or in case studies have you seen, do the parents harm the child as part of the domestic violence, or is the domestic violence targeted toward the adult? I think the family violence, the domestic violence in Japan include both. Uh, against uh, his or her partner and against the children. So if you score shout to your partner in front of the children, even children would be the victim of kind of family violence. So in that context, that's why sometimes it's very different, difficult to separate if the family violence uh, was uh, 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 against uh, to uh, his or her partner or child. Normally, they are living together. They are staying in the same space. That's why so they are uh, normally uh, uh, easily uh, to uh, uh, kind of be influenced by kind of any types of family violence altogether. How? In my instance, right? Let's just... And, I, and I'm sure, and I've heard from several parents mention something similar. In my instance, when my... The mother of my child would want to argue. I would always say, let's wait till our daughter goes to sleep and then we can have our discussion and let's not do it in a, yeah, let's yeah, not do it in yeah, front of her. Yeah, yeah. And this happened several times where our daughter would go to sleep and we would start talking around midnight, one o'clock in the morning in a different room. And when the argument was, or the discussion, I would like to call it, discussion was not going in her favor, she would go wake up our daughter and then put our daughter between us. And then she would start saying, your dad, A, your dad, B. And I'm like, how could you do this? Is that what you consider that domestic violence? I think so. Uh, So, uh, uh, from my yeah, in my sense, that wouldn't be kind of family violence because the parents uh, did the best to separate their children from kind of some kind of kind of impact of the some kind of violent uh, practice actions, possible violence uh, between uh, the couple. Yeah, maybe children would understand what's going on, but in the meantime, children might understand how their parents, how she, uh, her or his parents are able to, uh, 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 how they're able to uh, work uh, for the best interest of uh, his, uh, their son or daughter. Because so the ch- child might understand, they think uh, they always take care of uh, their children. That's why they try to separate uh, their children uh, outside of the room uh, where their argument or they start an uh, argument again after the children went to school or something like that. This is a quite important because the parents at least has to show 
their child, uh, the parents' matter is separated from children. The issue. Uh, they need to kind of persuade. They need to talk. It's not uh, their children's responsibility. That's separated matter. Yeah. So if they can make it family violence, uh, kind of unexpected family violence against the child uh, would be controlled. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And so currently, would you say currently in in, hmm. in mediation, for example, which is part of the family court system, right? Yeah. Would yeah. you say the mediators and the evaluators are properly trained and have the correct skill set to do a proper evaluation currently today, yeah. August of 2021? Uh -huh. Okay, uh, that's a pretty good question. Actually, so Japanese meditators are not so much trained as a specialist. Uh, I just opened the website of Family Court of Japan, and uh, it says, what is a mediator, court mediator in Japan? It says the person must be knowledgeable uh, and highly respected person in the community. It doesn't say any specific knowledge and skill. Uh, to be appointed as a mediator in Japan. Of, of course, they should be experienced specialists, but normally they are kind of expected to be more senior or retired from such kind of uh, special works and uh, should be, maybe possibly should be respected uh, by the community or something like that. Uh, it's, it's like a kind of chief or crown uh, of the village or something like that from my kind of perception yeah that's a, that's a very good way of putting it and how about the the uh, I, for example when i go to these family court mediations there's this main individual and then who's a mediator and then there's two other individuals and one is a court appointed psychologist is that person properly trained as well or, or, or i don't think so i never heard uh to become a psychologist court psychologist uh uh with a qualified uh clinical psychologist qualification license of course uh they should have studied psychology at the tertiary education higher education level but it's not necessary for them to hold official qualification as a specialist, as a special clinical psychologist. Yeah. Interesting. So if I'm hearing you correctly, this is just another individual, but with no professional or educational background. That yeah. is yeah, of course. Yeah. Of yeah. Of course, most of Japanese are so hardworking. That's why so once they get appointed as a kind of a court of psychologist, a court of mediator. They must study so hard about such kind of psychological knowledge or the family law, but not officially qualified nor trained as a specialist. Yeah, that's why it's totally up to the characteristics of such kind of professionals or mediators if you are able to be really supported by those kind of team in the family court. Yeah, it's not a structure. Yeah, it totally depends on each individual. If you are lucky, you might be get helped by those kind of specialists or unlucky, they are helpless. Yeah. Wow. So there's no consistency. 
No, no. There's, there's no, there's no. In, in other words, when, when you know you, when you do math, there's certain theories that you have to follow in order to get, and hey, we all get the same answer, or give or take within the same answer. But what you're saying here, since there's the training is not there, the fundamentals are not. There's no guidebook to guide the mediation court. They all no, come okay. to their own yeah. conclusions, yeah. however they want to. Yeah. Yeah, of course, primary court regulates some kind of uh, kind of, uh, kind of uh, opinions and suggestions uh, generated by the specialists. Mm -hmm. And some mediators are so much specialists, like uh, a professor of family law or ex-lawyers. Of course, they are legal specialists, but not specialists in family psychology or child development or something like that. That uh, and in the worst case is such kind of some, some just just knowledgeable leader of the community simply talks about his or her own and old experiences of what should be uh, to keep the family or something like that. It's not mediation, yeah. Wow. They just teach what the family should be, something like that. That's why so many uh, young. Uh, young spouses so get frustrated uh, in the course of mediation. Yes, I, I can I can attest to that myself. Um, I've read a lot of psychology books. I read a lot of psychology uh, testimonials of individuals, and I try to present this to the mediators. And, and it's you're right. It's not. It's 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 subjects that perhaps they have not learned or even had the concept of it. And I feel sometimes like, well, I thought you are a mediator and you, I'm told there's a psychologist, you know, somebody would, who's specialized in children's psychology, that's part of the mediation. And it's like, if that's the case, she should know about this and I shouldn't be having to educate about them about uh, 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 what's going on. But I feel like every time I go in there and, and just from talking to other parents, they feel the same way that it's just, it's just a random person with not much knowledge in terms of child psychology. And at the end of the day, what we're looking here for is what's the best interest for the child, right? Uh, if you had a magic wand, if you had like a magic, yeah, a magic, you can wave your hand. What would you like to see? From the political side of things, from the law side of things, and family courts in order to make everything really for the best interest of the children of Japan. What would you mm, change? Uh, actually, so all kind of institutions are kind of, uh, and the kind of uh, social structures should be changed uh, altogether, and they work altogether. This is a kind of my uh, argument as a sociologist, because I'm a sociologist. Sociologist always looks at so much different kind of social culture institutions and how they integrate or disintegrate uh, in the course of socialization and to make a society. Yeah, that's why uh, only family court is not enough. Only the government is not enough. Yeah, only come some kind of specialist and psychologist or uh, case workers are not enough. Uh, they have to find a way how to work together from a different perspective. They shouldn't do the same thing. So each of them should do uh, their own roles, but they should work all together for the sake of family. 
Otherwise, now family today is so different and diverse and so kind of flexible. Each family has a different uh, idea and different hope and different family structure and different problem. That's why uh, such kind of institution must be so flexible and uh, must be a specialist and uh, working very flexibly uh, to work with very different types of possible family uh, disputes and problems uh, uh, each family that each family can uh, struggle with. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, before divorce or even after divorce. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's great. I, I think I I like what what you have in mind. And in your, have you had the chance to work with children who've been raised in a single family home, or that children have been abducted from one parent? I. See. Uh, actually, uh, yeah, yeah uh, uh, it, it's kind of my private things, but in, in my families, uh, some are uh, grew up with a single family, uh, single parent family. Yeah. And, and even in my uh, own family, uh, so one of my siblings, uh, divorced and, and, and grew up her, her child, uh, as a single mother for a few years. Yeah. Did you see the struggles of a single parent and single child? Yeah, uh, she was so desperate to make money every day. Yeah, because so she all of a sudden she decided to uh, get divorced. Yeah, and and her uh, ex partner refused uh, to uh, send any child support or sharing uh, parenting. Uh, he just told uh, his five year son just say goodbye, and we no more meet again. That's what he said before leaving. Wow, but but it was not so kind of unusual in Japan. Yeah. Well, that's even worse. That is not unusual. I mean, to me. Yeah. Yeah. How did the child feel? Uh, he he doesn't talk anything about that. So we might one day we might have a chance to talk about his uh, experience in 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 the very youngsters. Now he is a high school student and. I hope we might have a chance to talk about his experience, what he thinks, what he thought in that time. But I'm just waiting for him. I never uh, just kind of pushing him to talk about that experience. Yeah, I never uh, force him to do that. Wow. No, I understand. I mean, I, I'm just thinking it's the feelings, the emotions. Yeah. It must be very strong when that happened. Yeah, especially for children. It's 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 for children. It it be very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm not. My parents almost got divorced when I was young, and I was around 11 years old, and I probably 10. And I, I could tell you that I would be heartbroken if I never saw my mom and my dad again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. would be very heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Why, Takashi? I'm just wondering about single moms in Japan. When you talk to them, do they wish that they still have the help of their ex-husband beyond just financial support? Because it's pretty hard to raise a child alone. If you have someone who can share those duties with you, you might be able to build a career and be able to be a mom as well. Now the system 
in Japan have locked them into a position that they might not actually want to be in. What do you think about that, Takashi? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think so. But but it's quite depends because so uh, there, yeah, of course they need someone to help, but maybe not expertna in many cases uh, because they don't know how to reconcile our divorced partner, even though they wish uh, to work together uh, to uh, jointly taking care of a child, but they don't know how they can do it, how they can text to him or her, how they can call uh, him or her. They don't know how to do that. If they can do it, they are already doing a so-called de facto joint custody. In the Japanese family law, solo custody is exclusively given after divorce, but some parents are learning so-called uh, de facto joint custody. Outside of legal scheme, uh, they try uh, uh, sharing uh, uh, shared parenting or joint parenting after separation. Yeah. Right. And sometimes uh, when you have mm-hmm. a law that allows for sole custody, right, There can also be mm-hmm. like a, what you call a misuse of the law, which means like people know that that's what's going to happen. So they can plan mm-hmm. to either say there's a Japanese person, a man or something, they can mm-hmm. actually run back to Japan and Japan won't interfere or mm-hmm. do anything about it. And from mm-hmm. uh, what we talked about when it comes to Hague Convention and all that, right? Uh, it's designed mm-hmm. to actually stop that. So... I know that Japan have now notified about that particular convention, but they haven't done anything to actually stop that. How long you think uh-huh. uh, that will come into effect? And as we talked just now, how long you think the mindset uh-huh. of people will be aligned to allow that to happen at, at the political uh, countrywide level? Uh, uh, that's quite difficult how long it will take actually but but uh, i believe uh, for a younger generation like so because i'm teaching university that's why so i talk to my students every day but it's quite promise promising uh, for younger generation like uh, 20 30 years old generation they kind of uh, naturally accept the significance of kind of uh, shared parenting even after divorce of course some of such kind of students experienced uh, the disconnection with uh, his or her mom or father after divorce but even so they most of them uh, uh, clearly say uh, if they give a baby birth in the future shared parenting is exclusively important even though they get divorced this is for the sake of children not for themselves that's why so it takes it will takes maybe 20 30 more years uh, to change a uh, such kind of circumstancing in japan uh, as a whole but but i i'm promising uh, it's promising i really expect younger generation would be more and more kind of uh, 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 accepting Uh, the significance of, uh, of kind of shared parenting for children, uh, regardless of the regardless of the status, uh, uh, legal or kind of social status of uh, their parents. I, I yeah. have a question that you touched on the this and the question before is yeah. so I agree with you 100. This is about the children, not about the parent. I 100 agree with you on that. Yeah, and 
but you mentioned on the prior question that when there's divorce, the reconciliation of the partners, they don't know how to recon the, re the, uh, reconciliate in order to have a conversation um, and, and, and co-parent. This is why sole custody is the de facto. Um, what does that what does that teach the child when you can't when you can't have a when you can't come to an agreement with another individual? Mm -hmm. What's okay. the underlying message you're sending there? All right, so. If I were a parent of a child, and a child, I would say having a family is a collaborative work. Taking care of children is a collaborative work. Every piece of family matters. Every piece of kind of topics about the family should be discussed with your partner before your own decision. You need to talk to your partner every time and about anything. This is what I would tell to my children. Yeah, it, 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 would you agree with that statement even after, let's say, there's separation? Yeah, even after separation. If they get used to, to talk, they get used to, to discuss, they will do even after divorce. Of course, it takes a little bit time. But I think so they eventually are able to talk again, discuss again, even after divorce. The problem of a kind of, uh, kind of sort of parenting, even after divorce, is I think partly from a lack of communication, lack of dialogue between the couples, even before kind of divorce, even in, in the married status, they might not have enough communication about child uh, bearing or parenting. So if you on purpose rely on your partner to take care of a child, you can do it easier even after divorce to talk to your partner again about your children or parenting. You don't need to talk about any other areas, but just you talk about your own children to your ex-partner. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I like the perspective that if you don't, talk to your partner any much anymore this should be easy because all you have to talk is about your children it makes a very yeah. easy conversation mm -hmm. um using vincent's fish shows he which he was covered internationally in the media and having met him and i met him for a few hours in tokyo before his hunger strike and hearing his story in person. And along with my personal story, I think what strikes me is what you said is like when two individuals can no longer have that proper communication channel, right? And usually mediation is meant to reestablish some sort of communication again in the best interest of the child right but it, it feels like the de facto is for the person who has a child to no longer want to engage anymore and to me 
I think it sends the wrong message to the child because it shows that you can just run away from your problems and you don't have to face any of your problems. To me, that's the underlying message that I think a child is reading. And the parent who is doing that doesn't think about the effects on the child that it has emotionally and psychologically. Um, do you think, which next, my next question to you is, do you think single custody loss is having an effect in the decreasing population and why many individuals are not or have decided not to have uh-huh. children in Japan? All right. Yeah. Uh, not just kind of matter of solo custody, but it's a kind of very kind of uh, classical style or the traditional style of family relation itself uh, is one of the major reasons why. So we are so much get used to, to be being alone or uh, being less communicated to uh, ex-partner or children after divorce or separation. Because so in the kind of very uh, traditional family in Japan, uh, so family members are not so much encouraged to talk too much because so they believe, they understand each other mutually. That's why communication is not necessary. But I think the logic is opposite. The more you want to understand, the more you feel comfortable to your partner, you need to talk, you need to chat, even you need an argument. You have to make sure uh, your relationship with your partner and you have to maintain your partner uh, relationship with a partner. So once you get to such kind of daily kind of chatting daily communication to your partner, I think it won't be so difficult to keep doing that or try doing that again, even after separation. And child would learn uh, from such kind of parental experience. Oh, my parents are so much talkative. They often chat each other. Yeah, that's why I will do that or something like that. Or even the parents uh, would be able to talk about what happened between the parents to the children in a more kind of appropriate, more better way. Uh, after divorce or just before divorce because they always chat, they always talk, they all know how to talk to people and how to communicate to people, even though uh, children might get injured and psychologically damaged uh, but by divorce and divorce experience. But, but it's impossible to get children away from divorce issues and family problems. But the important things for the adult uh, member of the family uh, for children uh, is how we are able to talk to child about the experience and keep telling divorce is not uh, his or her responsible and we will recover again. Just keep saying that. Yeah, I think. Right. And say that uh, you are a policymaker. For, for this call alone, I'm going to make you a policymaker, right? What, <laughs> what can you do, right? Because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at all the policymakers in Japan and we have established that, mm. hey, they might, they might want to do it, mm-hmm. but they don't have a researcher. They don't have a professor like no. you next to them telling no. them, this is no. how you're going to go about it. So say that you are a policymaker with all these ideas, right? What are the things that you will yeah. do to make sure that we don't wait yeah. 20 years, we only wait like maybe a year or two? Uh, 
actually, so the policy maker must get used to, to working with the professionals. Normally, policy makers in Japan are generalists. That's why they don't know how to work with a specialist or how to employ a specialist properly. Uh, this is a kind of matter of kind of organization, organizational structure, uh, not just matter of family issues. In in the Japanese public public sector sector, only a few limited number of professionals are able to work as a specialist. Yeah, this is more kind of a more bigger issue. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, family issue is very easy to imagine for everyone. Everyone has a family. Yeah, that's why. So to the policymakers, I, I, I want you I, I want you to think about your own family. What kind of family would be the best for you? This is what I'd like I want to say to the all policymakers. So if something wrong uh, has ha, have something wrong uh, is occurred to your family, uh, who is able to help? So if you feel a difficulty in handling family issues. Who are able to support you or your family? So just imagine that thing. We are not perfect. We have to rely on each other. So we can rely on. Yeah. That's that yeah, that's my message. <laughs> I a hundred percent agree with you. I think touching on what you were saying, there is nobody's perfect. And we all nobody's perfect. Yeah. Nobody's perfect, right? Yeah. But I feel like in Japan, yeah. you need to be perfect. <laughs> yeah. And it's very stressful. Mm. Yeah. 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 Most Japanese feel uh, the similar kind of frustration, uh, similar stress as you. But yeah, I strongly believe everyone is not to be perfect. Everyone should rely on each other. But you have to rely on the specialist. And to rely upon the specialist, you have to be another specialist to support each other. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And going back to what you were telling politicians is we all have a family. We all have a yeah. mom. Yeah. We all have yeah. a dad. That's the reason why I'm so much interested in family. Everyone has a family. Yeah. Some people are specialists in law. Some are policymakers. Some are kind of uh, better quality about economics, but family is for everyone. Everyone has a family, but different family. That's why I'm so much interested in studying about the family. Yeah. Do you, what do you think that needs to be changed in Japanese family law in terms of the judges for the family court? Yeah. Mm, right. Yeah. The uh, most uh, urgent issue is uh, to reform the family law about divorce and uh, shared parenting after divorce. So uh, at present, Ministry of Justice is thinking about more kind of selective joint custody. The parents are technically able to choose either sole custody or joint custody. Uh, after divorce, instead of the compulsory joint custody, I understand uh, their argument because uh, that choice is more flexible and more adjustable to different types of family. But to achieve 
are more kind of fair or appropriate decision by parents, more kind of specialist or more kind of very detailed process for decision making must be necessary instead of just letting parents decide what they want to do. Yeah. At least uh, the family court has to give the parents to talk with different types of specialists uh, before decision making by themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Do you see issues arising if if it's an option between joint custody or single parent single parent custody? What 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 problems do you see coming out of that? If it's just yeah, it's just option. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. So there are different types of the families. Yeah, that's why sometimes solo custody would be better for the sake of children, especially so if uh, his or her parent, one side of parents had some kind of problem. Yeah, solo custody would be very kind of understandable choice. But in the meantime, the family court always provide. Uh, some kind of opportunity uh, to change their decision of child custody and parenting plan uh, to their parents. For example, in some country, such kind of shared parenting uh, parenting plan after divorce will be examined, will be reviewed every few years because every family changes. And according to the growth of children, so ex parents have to review and reconsider the uh, parenting plan. They might uh, remarry, they might have a new family. So that's why a parenting plan should be flexible and flexibly decided and reviewed by the court. Yeah, This is one of ideas uh, to work with a very different types of family Yeah, uh, flexibly. Yeah. Yes, that, you bring an extremely valid point. That, that's something that's practiced here in the state of California. Um, if we can say something about life is that we know things are always going to change. <laughs> change is constant. Mm, yeah, yeah. And the fact that Japanese family court has everything fixed for the rest of the life of the child until they're an adult is it's, it's the wrong approach. One hundred percent. Yeah, that's more. Uh, that that's getting get more and more unrealistic. Fixed family is more. Uh, more and more unrealistic. Yeah, it's more kind of. Imaginary, yeah, normative idea of the family, but it's totally obliterated today. A hundred percent. Um, what is your position on on Japanese lawyers and family court system? Oh, my position, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm able to make my contribution to the family court and actual uh, divorce process as a specialist, but at least. Uh, my role is to kind of introduce more kind of wider, different types of information and the reality about what's going on the family today uh, in the Japanese society. Yeah, today, so I'm talking to you in English, but I normally teach and work in Japanese, but I often talk about what's going on outside of Japan to my Japanese students or Japanese families or uh, my communities. Yeah. 
And I'm happy to work for that rather than being a very, very specialist of a very particular <laughs> uh, lawyer or kind of a psychologist or something like that. What's one thing that you would say from outside of Japan that you, in the family, in the family court system that you found from a specific country that you found that is a, of a huge value and that you wish you had in Japan yeah. today? Yeah, I'm a kind of, yeah, maybe my role is kind of social mediator, a kind of mediator between Japanese family and family somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a case scenario, yeah. right? Yeah. I'll give you mine in particular, right? As, 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 a, as, a, as a professional, as a professor, someone who has, who's well-educated in, in this, in this, in this area. I've gone to mediation myself personally three times. And in every session I've offered my the mother of my child that I would buy her a house in Japan or in California of her choosing. And I would pay child support as long as we can both co-parent to be the best mom and dad for Meline. And I'm willing to have the proper communication channels for us to be the best parents for our, for, for our daughter. And she refuses every single time. She says that she wants nothing to do with me. How do you strike a balance? How do you approach a situation like this if you were the mediator? Okay, that, that's quite difficult because so you really want to meet and uh, you really want to keep in touch your daughter, but uh, your daughter says no so far. Uh, that That's quite difficult because so uh, I think there's no quick solution about that situation. But, but for my kind of uh, friends, uh, they spent a few years uh, to fix that relationship. But uh, you shouldn't push your daughter uh, too much because uh, even your daughter herself has to uh, uh, understand what's, what, what's happening, uh, what happened in her family. As, of course, so your daughter is living, currently living is your mom. That's why so they often talk about their own experience, but not with you. Of course, it's unfair. But what I can say is just don't give it up and, and never push your daughter uh, to deal with, uh, to fix that very complicated situation. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. How, 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 about, uh, how, how about with my ex-wife? What what do yeah, you think? Yeah, that's why the the only kind of the only possibility is how you and your ex-wife are able to talk again. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, you 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 two two of you need somewhere between you and your wife. Yeah, uh, one day so a few years ago, so I met an American father uh, whose children. Uh, whose whose child was abducted to Japan by her Japanese mother uh, from California, and uh, he was very desperate to meet abducted children, and he wanted to talk uh, his 
Japanese wife, but, but he failed to do that. But in the meantime, so his ex-wife, Japanese wife, was kind of cutting down all kind of possible communications at this rate because their kind of separation happened, child abduction happened just six, seven months ago. It was still kind of very fresh memory. Yeah. But I'm not sure uh, how they are doing now, but it, it happened a few years ago. But but so but but at that time it was still very too fresh experience uh, to begin to talk each other again, I think. Yeah. Of course, the most serious problem is there is no one to help you or such kind of international cases between two countries. I think what I would like to see Japan do is yeah. Yeah, have a speedy process where the child never has to experience being separated from both parents. And what I mean by that is, in, in for example, in the state of California, in almost every state in the United States, if you are going to divorce or live separately, within, I think it's I think it's within ten days, there needs to be a setup plan of te a temporary plan where the child still sees the mom and the dad until everything is finalized within 10 days there needs to be a plan and an action and so the child never experienced being away from mom or dad for a long time and while that's being <laughs> out worked out i think there's a 60 days or 45 days where everything has to be completely worked out between the mom and the dad in terms of visitation and co-parenting. Um, <laughs> and it's not a process, for example, that's taking me two years, right? <laughs> so the child <laughs> doesn't have to face the mental and emotional trauma. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, you're right. Actually, so the more time you take to prepare for divorce, the less you and your families get hurted uh, by that effect. You need uh, plenty of time to prepare for very kind of desirable uh, shared parenting, even after divorce. And you might have more time to share your own stories and your, your experience with your daughter and with your family. But in Japan, it's opposite. Getting divorced in Japan, it's very easy. Just fill the form and submit, that's all. You can make it in one day before talking about anything after divorce and any parenting plan or after that. Today, a family court encourages parents to make sure uh, exact parenting plan after divorce, uh, when they want to divorce. But it's not kind of very, very compulsory because it should be uh, done by the family alone. But even if you breach, break down the decision uh, of parenting plan, you never get penalized. You just ignore that. That's why now the Ministry of Justice is discussing if the parents will be penalized when they break up, breach 
the parenting rule uh, made uh, before the divorce or not. But it's still under a kind of investigation. It's process under investigation. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, that, that sounds very similar to what my ex-wife and I had. We had a divorce with a parenting plan. And then I found out that she did not include the parent, parenting plan in the divorce. And then I found out that even if she would have included the parenting plan in the divorce, it's not enforceable. No. Yeah. Even in Japan, many ex, uh, ex, uh, spouses are troubled uh, in the same situation. Parenting plan is never be promised by another and the other is so stressed and so sad. But there are no way but moving to another court mediation. But of course, everyone knows court mediation is not so much functional. To that point, it is very stressful. Um, it's a very stressful process for the child. I, I can't imagine the child, how he or she must feel not loved. Because the other parent no longer shows up anymore. She must feel abandoned. Mm. I, I fear that, that my yeah. daughter feels abandoned. And I, that's far from the truth. And, mm-hmm. and one thing about the mediation, when it's not enforced, I think that allows for domestic violence. And if I can explain... When the parent that has sole custody legally knows that she has sole custody, for example, my ex-wife, and that she can violate the visitation plan with no consequences, she's, you correct me if I'm wrong, but would that be mental or psychological domestic violence towards me and to my daughter, knowing that if she's angry at me that day, she says, you won't see her today because I'm angry at you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I totally agree with you, even though there is no kind of legal penalization uh, in the Japanese context. Yeah. Actually, so whenever I read many kind of stories about divorce or even parents' divorce, so I often read the same kind of experience uh, written by or mentioned by the son or daughter of separated parents or even the uh, left-behind parent. There are so much texts and kind of uh, confessions made by the children or ex-partner even in Japan. But actually, the kind of institutional uh, support, institutional aid is still less developed in the Japanese context. Yeah, as I mentioned before, Ministry of Justice is discussing and many activists and legal professionals argue the government should change the law government should deal with that issue because divorce are going on 
every year. Thousands of divorces are going on every year, uh, which means thousands of children are under solo custody situation in Japan. Some lucky children are able to maintain a relationship with both types of parents, but most children are not. And there is not any kind of legal and policy scheme to uh, sort out that issue at this rate. Why do you think some of the parents, like my ex-wife, Yumi, and many other people who are like Yumi, who agree to a shared parenting plan, but when they are upset, they revoke the parenting plan. Why do you think they do that? Mm, it's, it's not, there's not clear evidence, but I guess she wanted to divorce quickly. That's a kind of negotiation. The bargaining. So if she accepts your kind of yeah, request of shared parenting, the divorce process would go faster. She simply wanted to get divorced and to make it faster. Yeah, that's why she accepted your kind of request once, I think. That's an interesting perspective. And for three months, we did do a sharing team plan. Three months, we did do it. And then she revoked it. She said no more. But she didn't, you know, she didn't say anything why she quit it. She said because we are no longer a family. Right, right. Yeah. But that, that's called the kind of cream break. That's quite a typical case in the Japanese divorce. That's kind of Japanese divorce specialist uh, call it. It's a cream break, cream break ideology. Huh, cream break ideology. Okay. Yeah, divorce is the end of family. Yeah, yeah. It's a kind of very kind of Japanese traditional family ideology. It's a cream break. Divorce is the end of the family and the beginning of making a new family, which is very different from the kind of contemporary idea of the family. 100%. What is your take on this clean break away from the family? Clean break or uh, another Japanese family sociologist to say it's a scrap and build a family system. Once you scrap down your ex-family and build a new family from the beginning. My argument with that would be is like in Japanese culture is all about lineage, meaning blood, your DNA. Technically, it's not a clean break because your DNA <laughs> your DNA, your blood is still there. Yeah. 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 Technically. Yeah. Yeah. Biologically. Yeah. Biologically. Yeah. Biologically. That's true. And even psychologically. Family is a family. Yeah. But that's a kind of ideology without any kind of logical reasoning. It's an ideology with no logic behind it. Yeah. Yeah. No logic. Uh, it, 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 actually, this ideology was connected from very kind of traditional Japanese, uh, household structure, which was very base structure of modern Japan since its establishment. Have you heard family registration, koseki system before? Yeah, because so uh, when Japan, uh, established a new kind of modern national state, Politician 
regarded Japan as one single family nation under the emperor. That's why all Japanese citizens are registered uh, by the family unit, not by individually. That's why, in that logic, all families, uh, if all Japanese citizens belong to the family, you shouldn't belong to more than two families at the same time. It doesn't make sense in that ideology. That's why, so if we want to make, if we want to start a new family, you have to give up the old family. Or if you give up the old family, you are eligible to find, set up new family. Even today, so you can belong to more than two koseki by Japanese family registration role. Yeah, for the best interest of the child, I'm not sure if I agree with that ideology. Yeah, but I think uh, he's agreeing that uh, it might not be in the yeah. best interest of the kid, but he just uh, we are just discussing yeah, all the I... things that's like uh, set up in a way that's uh, one, archaic, second, it's not conducive for that to happen, which is why he keeps saying that... Uh, we need the experts to come in and say like, hey guys, uh, these are the things that you need to fix. The Kosaki issue was something that was brought up before to us as well, where a family can only, uh, a person can only be registered to one family, which is uh, completely on the opposite side when we talk about joint custody. Uh, to me, when I look at this and in terms of psycho psychology of it, right, the separation of how Japan has practice single parent custody with his ideologies what to me one of the fundamental core things that i read into it is it's promoting that you don't have to you you if things do not work out with a friend a family or your child, you don't have to talk with them to discuss and work things out, or at least have some sort of bipartisan or agree to disagree. But to me, what it's promoting is at the most, at the maximum, at the most severity thing is even as a, if a, as a parent and a child, you just cut the relationship and you move on with your life. And what that promotes is like, there's no need to have a discussion with people you cannot agree with or be on the same page with. And that is the fundamental problem that's creating a society no. where you no. will never talk about your problems. And, and even today, so if the Japanese get remarried, uh, they seldom talk about their ex-families to new families. They are reluctant to talking about what family they had before, or they are reluctant to talk about their first children before in the new family. Yeah. My sister is like that. Yeah, my sister is remarried. Now they are they have five children, including uh, the first child uh, with her first uh, husband. But my sister. Uh, is so much careful not to talk about her first marriage in the new family. That's the reason why my nephew doesn't talk about his experience in his childhood 
in 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 that very context, he is very reluctant to doing so. Yeah, and that's the complete opposite of what I've experienced. I, you know, before if before COVID happened, I was at a I was at a birthday party. It was a nine-year-old boy. And it was Sam, and Sam was with his dad, his biological dad, and with the stepmother, and then the biological biological mother was there, and so was the the stepdad, and both sides of the family were there, and everybody was having a good time. And I was that Sam was really happy. He was. <laughs> So yeah. happy that he, 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 I remember I asked him, how do you feel? He's like, I'm so happy. I have two moms and I have two dads. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. He was really happy. And he got a lot of gifts. So he was really happy. <laughs> All around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. Having more family should be fun. Exactly. He had more people to play with. And I think that's what really, I look back at my childhood and I look what I cherish the most is like, I cherish my family, playing with them, my cousins, from my mom's side, from my dad's side, going to visit family, different parts of the United States, and the experiences that I had with them. The, the culture that I learned from both sides of them, even though both of my family are Hispanic and from the same area, the culture is vastly different in how you know they cook, they dress, they eat, they talk, uh, their beliefs, their thoughts is very different. And they're very unique. In their own ways. And I got to see that side from my mother and my father. And I feel like perhaps, what are your thoughts in terms of Japanese children? Do you think they're missing half of their identity? Not having one side of the family? Yeah. Uh, Your daughter uh, must be missing you. But, yeah. But, uh, after... I heard from your story, your family story. Uh, I'm just wondering how much Japanese people or Japanese families are able to enjoy some kind of diversity or difference in the family or society. Most Japanese don't talk about his experience of divorce because they never be identified as kind of being stigmatized in family, uh, society, because divorce experience is a kind of stigmatized stigma in Japan today. That's why, so if you don't want to be a kind of feeling a sense of exclusion from society, you keep your mask off and you never talk about your ex-family or divorce experience. Even many children of divorced family or Living with single family rarely talks about their own experience to their friends in the classroom. They normally keep it a secret. 
Yeah, but you and your family in California really enjoy such kind of diversity and difference, different idea, different culture uh, uh, brought by your families and your favorites. Uh, yeah, that, that's valid. Yeah, I have a few questions uh, based on uh, what you said in the previous answers. One, you said that uh, you talk about this to your students and all that through classes, right? Uh, what are the things that your students are asking you or want to know more about when you discuss these things? Yeah. I'm yeah, just wondering yeah. what are the younger kids right. are thinking yeah. and what Actually, are their questions so, like? Uh, there are some students who disagree with the kind of my kind of my opinions. Uh, but in most cases, those students are grown up in a single family and uh, they rarely had a chance to meet uh, his or her father or mother living separately. Or uh, what I can do to them is just keep talking about why it's very important for us to keep in touch with family no matter where we are. Uh, just by showing many different cases or stories or kind of examples. This is what I can do because I shouldn't kind of, I shouldn't force them to kind of receive one particular kind of idea or kind of, or I would just say that's my own ideology to my students. My students have a right to think what they want to do. But in the classroom, I always tell my students, this is my own opinion. And you guys have to decide this is right or accept acceptable or not. And if you feel it's unacceptable, please tell me the reason why. And I'm always responsible for that. This is what I always do. That's why. So I never ignore any kind of opposite comments or kind of disagreements uh, from my students. And I always feel kind of my own responsibility to their kind of opinions, ideas, or just try my best to say the same thing in a different way. And one day, they might understand what I mean here. Okay, Shui, one of the questions that I do ask most of my guests who are from Japan is that how people outside of Japan, like myself and Enrique, can help the situation when it comes to Japan. I know that from what you're saying that uh, Japanese people are trying to figure it out, but what can we do to help mm-hmm. Japan figure it out faster or better? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, maybe so uh, you guys are uh, very important uh, to kind of transform, to change the current situation in Japan because Japanese people hardly think how they are kind of very kind of standard ways of thinking, ideas, but ideologies are so much unique and peculiar to particular culture. That's why they always feel so much kind of fresh to hear how people from outside of Japan or non-Japanese students feel, understand, and 
explain the Japanese norms, values, and ideas. Kind of sense of uh, it's a kind of sense of defamiliarization of Japanese culture. This is what you can do, and you guys only do for Japanese society. Kind of defamiliarization of very kind of common values and norms in the Japanese society. What message would you give to those who have been impacted by this single custody in Japan? I think so. Many of them actually feeling so much stressed in everyday solo parenting. And if they feel so much kind of stress and anxiety, uh, maybe they can ask for help or they can talk about their own experience, how feel they are. Parenting is not very easy, especially solo parenting is so hard. And they should kind of advocate in public or not, not, not necessarily in public, but they should just say how they feel to their kind of neighbor, close friend, or someone might uh, give you a kind of very kind of new insight or a kind of more kind of better way to sort it out. Or if kind of parents of solar custody are feeling unable to reconcile with their partner, you might find someone else to mediate between you and your ex-partner. Actually, so I know many those people working for other families, they are all kind, they are all experienced divorce and they have very sad uh, experiences because of sore custody. And those people always ready for helping them out. And and you guys might find them. Yeah. That that yeah, my second message. Yeah. I think that was very powerful. I think so. Thank you, Takeshi, for spending your time with us and explaining all these uh, facts to us. I hope that our listeners have benefited a lot from you. And I'll include your links in the show notes if people want to reach out to you. Again, thank you so much and appreciate it. Now, I would like to remind everyone that our goal here is to share knowledge with you guys and show that you're not alone in this. With that said, if you need specific legal advice, please get your own independent advice from a qualified legal practitioner. If you're a minor or if you happen to have a difficulty in understanding certain parts of this episode, please approach a responsible adult or someone knowledgeable and ask them for clarifications. We have done our best to make sure that it doesn't offend anyone. And if you have further questions or comments regarding Find My Parent or this interview or this podcast, you can email me at sk at findmyparent.org. If you're someone who got separated from your own parent and would like to find your parent again, please go to www.findmyparent.org and fill out your details. With the help of our smart algorithms and matching technology, we hope to help you find your alienated parent again. If you're part of an NGO, or even a private company passionate about this topic, please reach out through the contact us page in findmyparent.org and we hope to work together with you. All right, folks, that's it for this week. Speak to you next week. Take care. Till then. Just